Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Sammy Roberts and I'm joined by Matthew Castle. Hello. How's it going today, Matthew? It's going well. I'm feeling pumped for 2021. Yes, so in this episode we thought we'd do a 2021 preview because, you know, not else, not a lot else is going on in games at this time of year, and people like this kind of forward-looking stuff, uh, I figure. Plus it's um, bookending two extremely chunky episodes, um, the first of which was our Game of the Year episode last month, and uh, this month we're going to do something else that's kind of fun around magazine covers next week, so we thought this week we'd keep it kind of light and just um, look forward at some of the stuff that's coming out for like Sony, Microsoft... Uh, Nintendo and on uh, PC in 2021 we think that might be fun and frothy to do so we're going to talk a bit about kind of our past in covering like upcoming years because we think that might be sort of fun what it's like to write sort of preview issues of magazines and then we're going to talk a bit about 2021 itself we've got um, 21 bold predictions about the year to come Matthew can you tease anything about your predictions um they are pretty weak (laughs) when I heard you say the word bold I suddenly looked at mine and thought are any of these bold? I don't know. Um, so I think it may be 11 bold predictions from you and 10 lukewarm. <laughs> I think you'll find that uh, really about four of my predictions are bold and then okay. the rest are like, oh, that's quite conventional. But <laughs> Oh, nice. Nonetheless, I'm looking forward to that section. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. So, Matthew, what do you think the overall vibe of 2021 is looking like for games? I think it's it feels like it's going to be kind of the proper first year of a next generation which is the kind of grace period i think a lot of consoles get where everyone is kind of just happy and excited to be getting something new and shiny we maybe overscore everything one or two points (laughs) and then come to regret it in five years time um but it's i don't know it feels kind of defined by those new machines still um it's I, you know, on paper, the list of games, I'm kind of into them, and there's lots of stuff I'm really looking forward to. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the year where we feel the repercussions of, of COVID delays from last year. Mm. Um, you know, it's very, very hard to tell, because I think this year felt relatively untouched in terms of the games we expected to have out and the ones which then came out. Um, you know, it, it was it was pr- pretty much what they said. Um yeah. So, yeah, whether or not next year's is going to sort of unfold to be a wasteland, um, who knows. But on paper, if they can deliver, I think it'll be a... I don't know, it's looking pretty solid, I think. Yeah, I think so. Like, um, some good good exclusive titles, particularly from Sony. Um, Nintendo is a bit of a kind of unknown, which we'll talk about. And Microsoft, um, well, Microsoft has to have a big year, really, in terms of software. Yeah. Although, um, perhaps not if you just look at the way that the Xbox keeps selling out, regardless of uh, how many units are available. So... Yeah, there's some interesting stuff coming up, but I agree with you. COVID delays probably going to play a bit of a part. Also, like you say, this is the kind of this is the point in the generation where I feel like we're waiting to figure out what the big thing is going to be. So, yeah, last gen, uh, the equivalent of this year would have been 2014, right? Which is when you saw Destiny release and uh, like Alien Isolation and Wolfenstein, um, and then uh, yeah, like Shadow of War, uh, mm. or Shadow of Mordor rather. And so, yeah, the, these kind of like, um, like you say, they're not necessarily like the best, the very best of the generation in all cases, but you do get some good games that get you excited about next gen. I think there's a few of these on the on the horizon, for sure. Um, Definitely, yeah. And it's also just, uh, I think, worth mentioning that, you know, arguably the biggest games of 2020, which were games which came out before 2020 and then suddenly became very exciting, like Among Us. So I don't know if, if that's just throwing a complete spanner in the works and we're going to see you know other resurgences and it's going to be just a you know another kind of 
totally unpredictable year, but yeah, for sure. Will tell. Yeah, something like um, I think Hades released technically in 2019, right, in early access, and mm. then in full last year. And then, yeah, I, I feel like no one was talking about Hades at first when you could only get it on the Epic Game Store, except like a couple of games journalists. And then over time, yeah, obviously it releases on Switch, and then suddenly everyone's playing it, um, which is always the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing that in more depth, Matthew. But I thought it'd be fun to have a little bit of chatter about what it's like to do the preview issues of magazines because i remember these very well as a staff writer and as an editor so each each year basically uh you get to the end of the year of making a magazine and you don't have much time left to make your last issue of the year it's usually about three weeks so it's quite a mad scramble to the finish doing a preview issue is a good way to make things a bit simpler um because you're essentially rounding up a load of games that people might want to play next year which is a handy service to give readers because Often in magazines, you're covering games like individually and not like collecting them all in one place to, and being like, "Oh, this is what you should be excited about." So it definitely has a kind of like good reader function, but it's um, it, yeah, it's an interesting issue. I think I I think I sort of enjoyed doing some of them and not others, and it all kind of came down to like how exciting the year ahead actually was. What's your memory of doing these? Yeah, I, I guess very sort of similar vibes. Like they felt they always felt like they were uh, like a necessity. Yeah. because of the short deadline and you know all through the year it felt it felt like everyone had the nightmare christmas deadline hanging over them or the you know and uh, the i swear it got shorter every time in the way that games journalists have a way of kind of exaggerating stuff for for pity you know it starts <laughs> off as a three-week issue and, and then you know i remember people were like oh it's the old two-week issue and you're like is it really two weeks um you know an issue in fight because that's five day working day uh, ten working days um but yeah, so I kind of, you know, we always knew it was coming. Um, I'd always kind of dread them, but then putting them together, like you say, you'd get a really good snapshot. You'd sort of basically forced you to get a feel for what the next year was going to be like. And sometimes that was great. And what came out of them was really exciting. And you felt like, wow, in, you know, those 20 pages or whatever, tell a really, you know, cool story. Um, other years you were like, oh man, this is going to be a long 12 months. Um, especially towards the tail end of Nintendo uh, yeah, <laughs> magazines, where it felt like every cover line was always like, this is the year Nintendo fights back. Uh, <laughs> but then you'd look at the games and you'd be like, yeah, they've got a lot of treeps hidden, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Mario Party 8. Yeah, um, who yeah. are we kidding? <laughs> I, um, what I liked about your sort of note on this is it said, I think every year for five years was the year Nintendo slash Xbox fights back or some other balls, some such balls. <laughs> <laughs> which is well, a great was, description well, that was so I, i've never worked on a playstation mag and i've you know the so the platforms i've worked on yeah were, were, was yeah, the wii and the wii u and the xbox one and at relative you know at, at most times they were always the underdog so the only narrative could be like is this going to be the year they they aren't the underdog <laughs> You know, it's never going to be like they're going to, co- you know, conquer or smash it again. You could never say like, oh, it's a continued winning run for the Wii U, um, <laughs> where the PlayStation, there was always something a bit more effortless about about their excitement for the new year. Um, so, yes, it was always like Xbox fights back or Xbox bounces back. And, uh, well, you know, it still hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's... Um... <laughs> There's a kind of Trojan horse aspect to doing these covers too, where the kind of having the big preview hit um, on the cover kind of means you can get something on the cover that might not necessarily be like your game of choice or like a massive like blockbuster kind of like Call of Duty sized game at other times. So 
I think of an issue where um, I did a piece of Gamer where Prey was on the cover, and Prey was a game I really liked, and it was really cool. We had a lovely bit of cover art for that as well. But like, um, it was married to a kind of like 51 games to play this year, and that's a nice big hit. You look at that and you think, oh, that's a lot of games. Yeah. And on other years, I had like 15 games to look forward to this year. It's like, what the fuck happened in 2016? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to get excited about. That's bleak. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's only enough to cover like covers just... <laughs> My favourite version of this actually was when I worked on the magazine Sci-Fi Now. Obviously, it's not games, but worked in um, TV and film, and we just picked like um, eleven in twenty eleven, basically, which is just you know it was like two two to four pages on all of the big stuff. So it's ultra selective, but it meant you got got have these lovely splash pages of kind of like you know promo art for I don't know Doctor Who or Captain yeah. America or whatever. Um, so yeah, but um, the, the other yeah. nice thing about these preview issues is from a kind of cheeky perspective because it's like this game leads mm. you don't necessarily you're not necessarily promising anything particularly new on that game so it felt like you could basically make a cover out of any game as long as you had the art and it wasn't like i don't feel like access was expected as part of that if that so you'd be like halo 5 leads our thing and you hadn't seen halo 5 you hadn't talked to anyone about halo 5 but you could get excited about halo 5 as part of a massive 30 page preview where it was only like one percent of the words were about halo 5 um maybe that's just because i was a cheesy editor and <laughs> and i saw it as an opportunity to tell tell some tips but um it always worked for me on piece of gamer like it was actually we had some good cover features to go along with all of our preview issues but i definitely had a, i'm sure i've definitely had a couple where it's been like harder work because the tricky thing is that the games industry certainly on the marketing side basically closes down around mid-december That's, so yeah actually getting access um after that point is really tough so you really want to have that kind of issue lined up your cover lined up before december hits basically mm. um so yeah yeah a little bit of uh <laughs> you're sort of like uh trauma relived there yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh good stuff well matthew um we'll take a short break then and then we'll get into our big predictions for next year bold in some cases let's do it Welcome back, Matthew. Oh, thanks for having me here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're very lucky. A uh, very lucky young man. Okay, so yes, in this section, we're going to do the kind of beefy preview content that we promised in the kind of intro. So we've got 21 predictions about 2021 in gaming. Some of them are serious. Some of them are really silly. Um, some of them are just so straightforward, you'll have no opinion on them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's something we can promise on this podcast. I think it will be fun. And then after that, we're going to go through the uh, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and PC, and talk about the what's coming up in the year of each. We have left Stadia out. Um, sorry, Stadia. Uh, but yes, or Stadia. Is it Stadia? I, I don't know. Does anyone know? No one knows. So, Matthew, let's uh, let's alternate. Shall I go first? You go first, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, prediction number one. I feel like there should be some kind of drum roll, but I'm not going to do that because it requires more editing than I'm prepared to put into the podcast. But Microsoft buys Sega. Really? That's my prediction. Yeah. Oh my god! Is that is this a serious or a silly one? Uh, well, it's a bit of both, I guess. I mean, it's not it's not it's not based on anything real. It's just oh, a right, prediction. Nice. <laughs> um, there was a rumor about this going around a few um, months ago, and I I think it was like refuted by all parties. But the reason I think this is kind of like possible is that Microsoft has obviously been buying a lot of studios, and um, you get a lot of really silly commentary of saying ten studios, Microsoft should buy next. And it's like that's not how money works, but. <laughs> Nonetheless, I kind of get the impulse. Um, and I think it is possible that Microsoft will buy someone big in the PC space. 
So I think Paradox is possible as well. But um, mm. I think Sega, they've kind of done quite a lot of teaming up with Sega on, on stuff. Like there's quite a lot of Yakuza games on Game Pass and they have that Yakuza marketing thing for um, uh, for the like latest... Like a dragon. Yeah, like yeah. a dragon. And so, yeah, you've also saw um, Football Manager on Game Pass when it launched on PC. So I think the, the prospect of Microsoft buying a PC publisher or developer next year is quite likely just because they're interested in growing that side of things pc had an enormous uh 2020 there were 250 million i think um active steam users um so that's basically the pool that microsoft is playing for and i don't think anything makes a bigger splash than buying a big pc publisher whose games always get that fan base excited and sega and a whole bunch of them so that's that prediction matthew thoughts yeah, I yeah, I kind I kind of like that. I mean, there was there there's been rumours throughout the year of um, Microsoft buying some kind of Japanese studio, whether it's developer or publisher, kind of unknown. And Phil Spencer was a little bit like, to the best of my knowledge, we're not, which you'd think he would know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if anyone was going to know, um, imagine if he came in and found out like one of his underlings had bought Sega. He'd be like, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, that's. That's pretty yeah. That's pretty strong. They've got a nice crossover with PC and you know enough console stuff. Um, I'd be. I mean, they've. I guess they've got form with this. You know, in terms of the studios they've bought so far, a lot of them have kind of been quite PC focused, particularly Obsidian and um, oh, the Wasteland guys. What they, in Excel, Double Fine, a kind of PC background as well. Yeah, and you know they they kind of clearly want to kind of push into that. Yeah, I mean. I could, yeah, I could dig it. I don't know what that means for for Sonic. <laughs> and that's the thing you're most worried about, I assume, is what happens well, to Sonic. Well, just, I mean, what I'd really like is someone to buy Sega who doesn't like Sonic, and they're like, we're buying Sega, and and that part of our guarantee is there will be no more Sonic, <laughs> and that we'll we'll just like imprison him, and I'd be on board with that. That would that would be a win, a is big it, win for me. Is this a glimpse of what your life would be like if you were like an activist billionaire? Like uh, just sabotaging sort of um, platform icons <laughs> you don't like. It's like Croc is going away, and that's how I'm using my you know trillion dollar fortune. Um, yeah, that is basically what I do. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. What's your um, your prediction, Matthew? What's number oh, two? Oh well, that was you started with quite a big and sexy one, so I feel like I need to. Mine, mine, mine seem a lot a lot limper in comparison. <laughs> Cyberpunk will get a patch this year. Well, that's kind of is one of them. <laughs> But we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, <laughs> very good. I'm glad that, you, and that was one of my stronger ones. Uh, we should. Um, what we should do is my predictions of your 2021 predictions. Like, it's, uh, yeah. Okay, this is a bit vague. This may be a little vague, but along similar lines as your last one, uh, I think one of the big film streaming services will buy a big games publisher. Ooh. Okay. And to push into the games streaming space. So probably a Netflix or a Disney Plus, mm. I, I I would imagine would be the the two which are the, the natural fit for this in terms of sort of size and money. Um, I think as people ramp up the film and TV streaming war, I think they're going to need even more kind of ammunition to fight each other. And I think games and game streaming um, will be a part of that. And the best way to kind of get your instant foothold is to buy someone who has, you know, a substantial kind of footprint, I guess. Mm. Um, so maybe like, I don't know. I've seen I've seen some people online sort of talk about sort of similar things and throw like, you know, oh, what was if Disney bought Electronic Arts, for example? 
yeah. and got hold of all their goods. Not saying they pull them out of the the you know traditional kind of games publishing as well, but to have them as as a thing would be um, you know quite a quite a, a big move in that streaming space, which mm. feels like there's something there. You know, with, you know, feels like it's something that is going to grow. So the idea of them pushing into it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a good. I think that's a good prediction. I think Netflix is probably the most likely, um, just because they've shown an interest with the kind of choose your own adventure sort of um, interactive movie stuff with Black Mirror and uh, Kimmy Schmidt. But also, they didn't they do some kind of Minecraft um, version of story mode that was on. Yeah, there? they did. Yeah. I like the idea of someone going like, "Well, we've made an interactive Kimmy Schmidt, so <laughs> the next stop is let's buy all of FIFA." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I sort of um, I think that makes sense for them though because they are in the US. I think nearing their kind of limit on subscribers, so they probably will be looking at other ways to kind of make money that don't just involve jacking the price up. So you know, and they mm. can make things happen. You know, they can buy the, you know the licenses to various you know fictions or whatever, but they don't have uh, you know they don't have the existing sort of library they can dip into in the way that Disney has all, all this stuff, which you can basically cut off from everyone else now. Um, and games just feel like it's ripe for that. Yeah, that's a really good prediction. See, that's as good as my Microsoft one. Don't yeah, but that's about. that's like the best of my serious <laughs> predictions. You'll I mean, they get weak uh, real is, fast. This is the whole podcast of caveats about <laughs> what's to come. Okay, good stuff. The number three then of our 2021 predictions is uh, Starfield is going to be the biggest game reveal of 2021, and it will be a good game. That's my prediction. Really? I think this is going to be the thing that gets people the most excited next year. I think they'll do some kind of, like, you know, classic sort of Todd Howard on stage. Um, like, you explore a planet, you get in a spaceship, you fly to another one in this system, and it blows people away. That's what I think is going to happen um, this year at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost certainly at some kind of Microsoft event, because obviously Microsoft is acquiring Bethesda this year. So... Yes, that's what I think. I think Starfield will be good. It's been an, been a long time since they've um, since they've talked about this, and so yeah, I think they're I think they're going to make something good, Matthew. I'm excited. Yeah, well, I, you know, I hope so. I mean, I feel like the the pressure's on in a big way because it feels like that you know the, the you know obviously the backlash to Fallout seventy six, but also a general a kind of, is there? I feel like there's been a general calling on Fallout four. Yeah, I think so. And also, obviously, 76 people didn't like, like, save. So, um, yeah, I think that you've also been a long time since Skyrim came out. That was kind of their last well, very well-regarded game. Um, yeah, it's been a while, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm intrigued what they do, because they're kind of a such a weird studio, because they're not massive in terms of people, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, compared to, like, you know, an Ubisoft kind of, you know, their giant kind of games factory or whatever. Um, you know, still that kind of slightly sort of bespoke feel, which is probably why they, they take quite a while to, to make stuff and announce stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm def- definitely uh, intrigued to see if it's just Fallout in space. But Yeah, well, the calcul- like you say, the calculator, I think someone calculated how much it costs per person, um, the uh, actual like overall Microsoft deal. And it was like an extraordinary amount of money per head they basically paid for Bethesda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Matthew, hit me with your next prediction, number four. Um, it's going to be a really good year for Ace Attorney fans. Mm. Um, this is based mainly on that big Capcom leak, which seems to suggest that uh, we're getting ports uh, or localized switch ports of uh, the Great Ace Attorney, which is the uh, sort of Phoenix Wright prequel set in uh, sort of Victorian times. Sort of Phoenix Wright meets Sherlock Holmes, or Phoenix Wright's ancestor meets Sherlock Holmes. 
um, came out. There's been two games on uh, 3DS in Japan. They've got localized over here. Um, you know, word is that's coming over as a, as a little collection, which would be amazing because uh, both games were written and directed by Shu Takumi, the original creator of Ace Attorney, who hasn't been involved with the main series uh, since uh, Apollo Justice. And um, But the other exciting thing is that uh, there should also be, at some point, uh, Ace Attorney 7, which is the games that they now make without Shu Takumi, which were a little shit. Well, they they made you know they made Ace Attorney Investigations and then they made five and six. Five was okay. It was solid enough. A bit of a didn't quite have the same magic. But the last one, Spirit of Justice, was absolutely brilliant. Um, about as good as the Shutakumi games, I think. And so the idea of like an actual Shutakumi set and the new game, which is as good as, could be a very 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 strong year for that. It's like one of my favourite game series. So. Yeah, I really hope that leak is true. Yeah, I think I read um, a Kotaki case story about this some time ago, about a, a similar thing, like not the um, the great uh, detective games, um, but getting a release, but the um, the kind of compilation of the different older Ace Attorney games and then the creation creation of a new one. So yeah, mm. it feels like it's been a few years now since we heard heard about that. So yeah, fingers crossed, Matthew. That that would that would that would keep me very very happy, um, and. In some lucrative freelance. <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder if, um, I don't know, I, I kind of wondered what the holdup was with those games. And it always seemed like there's quite a, a state like holding on to the Sherlock Holmes rights here, even though like yeah, he died fucking be, years ago and it's like yeah, a lot of bullshit. Yeah, they always say as well, like there's just elements which are difficult to localise, like in the puzzles, hmm. you know, that, like it's all based on like very complicated Japanese wordplay or da da da. It has, has, been, has been the line in the past, but... They can kind of, you know, I think you can you can localize most things if you put your mind to it. Um, also, um, I think the the HD compilation which came out last year or the year before, God, my mind I think it was is, the year before. Yeah, uh, was like I think did better than they thought it was going to do. Yeah, um, you know, particularly on Switch, which all these games you just talked about are, are rumored to be on. Um, so yeah, you know. Ace Attorney is is back in a big way, mm. baby. Yeah, I think that um, I agree with you that the uh, I think on PC as well it found quite a big audience. If you look at the number of Steam reviews for that collection, people yeah. really wanted that game on PC, and visual novels are like pretty massive on on that platform too. So uh, yeah, hopefully it has ensured the future of your favorite series, Matthew. Oh. Um, okay, cool. So my next one, uh, Anthem re-releases this year on next gen consoles, but despite being better, no one cares. <laughs> What a bleak little narrative. <laughs> well, I just think that uh, it's been, it would have been two years since they released it in, well, whenever it would be. I think it was like spring they released it in 2019. So, yeah, I think that you'll see whatever the kind of um, live servicey people at Bioware have been working on with it. I think you'll see it reemerge this year. But, like, it, it's going to reappear in an environment where no one wants this kind of, like, you know, service sort of um, loot shooter kind of game. Um, but even though it will look very, I think it will look very nice. It'll probably be more fun than it was before. I don't think there's actually anything that bad about Anthem's basic kind of shooting and kind of movement. Mm. That was all fine. It was just a kind of shell of the game around it. it was quite bad, and obviously the story is pretty terrible as well. Um, yeah, and it, it, it had a nice world, but it was very small. So yeah, I think you'll see Anthem in some kind of like I don't know Anthem Reloaded or something like that, <laughs> and uh, probably like a good thing to have on the um ea play sort of service that sits on xbox um game pass as well 
But uh, yeah, I think they will give it another punt this year. I think they'll be like, oh, this is what this is more what we wanted to do with Anthem originally, but it didn't work out. Um, yeah, and uh, I think Bioware generally will have quite a big year because obviously you've got that Mass Effect trilogy remaster coming up, and they oh. are actually making another Mass Effect and another Dragon Age. Uh, when they'll come out, who knows? But it's um, it's been a long time since a, a very good Bioware game came out, so it'll be uh, definitely sure. going to be a big test. Um, what's your next one, Matthew? Um, it kind of continues on from the last one. I think Phoenix Wright will be one of the three remaining Smash Brothers DLCs. <laughs> um, yes, there are three to come in the Fighters Pass. Uh, I think because this is going to be a big Ace Attorney year, um, we'll get a bit of Phoenix Wright. Is there anyone, Sam? What would it be if you could put any character into Smash Brothers? What would it be to to fill one of those remaining three slots? Well, I've actually got another prediction for this in my list, um, but like it's definitely it, it doesn't answer that question. It's just one I think will happen this year. So I'll, I'll do that one next. But okay. like, um, I don't know. I, them adding Sephiroth is quite close to the sort of thing I'd, I I kind of like to see in there. I know you weren't excited by that, but um, I well, like. Like, I, I chuckled at the image of Mario impaled on his sword, or, you know, the shadow of Mario impaled on his sword. It's Definitely there's, there is that element of, oh, I, I never thought I'd see this in Smash Bros, but here we yeah. are. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, I feel like the Final Fantasy quotient's kind of taken care of. It'd be funny if they added that guy Clive from the new one, um, Final yeah. Fantasy sixteen. I don't know, I'm not sure. I, I really like Phoenix Wright, but I feel like they did him so comprehensively in uh, the last ultimate marvel versus capcom game yeah. um, he's such a uh, such a good creation in that and like remember when he puts galactus on trial in his story <laughs> that's really good um i mean he puts him on the stand which um uh, it's still like pretty um it's actually still pretty kind of like straightforward as the phoenix Wright games go in terms of like <laughs> yeah. how, how the lore is um depicted um yeah i would have to think on that a little bit more matthew but um, Sorry, I thought it was a bit of a gotcha question no it's fine um yeah i uh why don't you talk, tell me more about uh why you think um phoenix Wright will be one of those characters oh well i just think in terms of what that game is as a collection of of basically important faces to nintendo history um it, you know it fits i fit i feel like he's earned his place i mean he's never been like a you know a massive sales success but i think he is so connected with nintendo you know as as third party characters i mean i'd say he's he's got better ties with nintendo than the final fantasy 7 characters do mm. yeah they're in there um you know there would have been a time i would have also said professor layton but i don't know if professor layton's kind of glory days are behind him a bit um but, you know, as a, I, I don't know, I just don't think, you know, it, it, it's getting close to being this, like, almost comprehensive collection of, of like, Nintendo history and celebration. And I, I think he's a he's a, a big missing puzzle piece for me, anyway. Yeah, it does also feel like there's um, maybe kind of potential for there to be one more big uh, Nintendo's own character added, added there. I don't know what it would be, because it feels like Ultimate is so comprehensive, but... I don't know if there are any more gaps there for them to fill. But, um... it's not, I, you're getting into like quite niche characters or, or like stuff. You know, you know, you'd be you'd be getting into the realms of like Star Fox Adventures characters, which you know, I just don't think we should be doing and indulging those people. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see like um, a kind of twi- uh, Breath of the Wild version of like Zelda being added, where if she ends up being like a playable character in Breath of the Wild Two, you see a kind of more yeah militant bit, but different to the other the two yeah, existing that, ones. Yeah, that could that 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 could be a good shout, or or one of the 
Breath of the Wild sort of champion characters, mm. you know, because they're, they're quite prominent now in, um, you know, across Breath of the Wild, the DLC and the Hyrule Warriors thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've still got plenty to go. It'll probably end up being like some rancid, you know, some guy from Tekken or something. <laughs> What'll actually happen, Matthew, is it'll just be three more fucking Fire Emblem characters. Yeah. Just like identical looking boys and girls with swords, basically. I don't think they can do any more Fire Emblem, <laughs> Fire Emblem characters. No, I don't think so. Okay, so my next one, Matthew, is Master Chief gets added to Smash Bros. Ultimate. Oh, okay. Here's why I think this is plausible. So you've had Banjo-Kazooie, you've had Minecraft, right? Those are two really good like additions, and they feel very much like part of microsoft's whole thing with trying to seem like hey we like gamers uh, you know we we try and give you what you want um sort of mentality but i think the kind of rub would ha- surely have to be that um you get banjo kazooie like an un- undisputed like n64 kind of icon um and then you know minecraft which is obviously huge probably good for everyone involved in terms of how much attention that got them surely in a year where like halo is coming out you'll see master chief as one of those characters like that feels like the exchange to me so you get master chief you feel chief. like they're saying in order to have you want banjo kazooie and we'll give him to you but you have to put master chief in too yes yes i think that's <laughs> my <possible>. curse trade <laughs> That's my prediction of what happened here. Um, yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> I think, I also think that Master Chief has enough going on in terms of iconography to make it work. Although all of his weapons are guns, so it's going to have to be like softened, I guess. Um, he would also quite look quite odd next to a lot of the characters. Although I suppose he got Snake in there, and he's kind of similarly proportioned. But yeah. yeah, I just think, I don't know the fact that he just hasn't appeared on the fact that he hasn't been in, you know, on on a, on a, in a Nintendo game. He hasn't. He definitely hasn't, has he? No, but then um, you know, Cloud and Sephiroth, they didn't. I don't think Cloud had appeared in um in a Nintendo game before. Maybe he might have had a guest appearance. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I guess it's got the guy from Persona Five. Yeah. that's not on Switch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Persona Five, very much the same thing. Oh, but it just there's something quite obnoxious about Master Chief. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if 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 their brand guidelines would allow him to be like, you know being hit over the head with a comedy mallet and then people taking photos of that. I don't know if they'd they'd get cross about that. Like, the potential for kind of chaos and uh, kind of undermining Master Chief is pretty high with that, I'd say. I don't know. I think they were pretty into, like, red versus blue and that sort of, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. I but... guess he's been in Fortnite where you can, like, you know, shoot him with all kinds of, you know, nonsense. I mean, to be very clear, he's not, like, we wouldn't be my ideal choice, Um and the the kind of like the sort of bizarro sort of Smash Bros fans seem to be really into that Kingdom Hearts boy Sora being added to it, um, which I don't really see the appeal of because if you take him out of those Disney worlds, why not? What's the difference between him and like Cloud basically? But yeah, like yeah. you know, I'd understand if you brought over like Donald Duck or something. <laughs> That's like you know he's iconic. <laughs> um, yeah, Master Chief is Smash. Yeah, and I could see it happening. I kind of, I think it'd be a bit disappointing. Like for the for the Nintendo faces that haven't made the cut, you'd be like, "Oh, this guy," you know. Mm. But eh. and it could have been Funky Kong all along. It could have been Funky Kong. <laughs> all right, then, Matthew, hit me with your next prediction. Um, but this isn't so much a sort of prediction, but a hope mm. uh, for the year, which is that um, I hope all the existing streaming services get a little bit slicker because none of them are quite there for me yet. Mm. I feel like I just can't make that leap and I can't get into it because there's just enough lag and disconnect for me not to enjoy it. And on paper, you know, these things are growing. 
um, particularly the fact they folded in the Xbox Cloud Library, whatever they're calling it, into like your Game Pass subscription. Um, but I just can't quite get into it. But I'd love it to be a thing because um, in our household, where where um, both me and Catherine are, you know, play a lot of games, you know, there's only one living room for the console gaming. We're both playing a lot of console stuff at the moment. And it just means only one person can play, and I'd love for that. You know, I'd love to be able to sit in there and also play some stuff on a laptop or phone using the streamy stuff. But it's just not quite there yet. Mm, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a shame. I can sort of see like this being something that's still going to take five to ten years to get really good and really slick. Yeah, um, and that's the, I know. You know, I'll admit I haven't read massively on the subject of like where we at, where we are at tech wise with it, um, but it's. I don't know. It just feels like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are kind of, the reaction to it seems to be they're surprised it's as good as it is, which is like a cool initial magic trick of like, oh, look, it's, you know, Gears 5 on my phone. Um, But yeah, it just doesn't, I don't find it massively enjoyable unless everything's a turn-based tactics game, in which case it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Like if it's just XCOM. Um, that's fine. Yeah, there you go. You can play Disgaea 2 on your phone right now. What the fuck are you complaining about, Matthew? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, okay, I have a similar one um, about services. Uh, so Sony revamps PlayStation Now to make its own version of Game Pass. Um, I think this will happen this year. And I think they've talked a little bit about examining PS Now or doing something different with it. But um, I could see it happening where you basically can buy PS Plus or you can buy PS Plus with... Um, ps now and you get some kind of discount for the whole thing but the service generally gets revamped to be a bit more competitive i don't think sony will ever give away its big blockbuster exclusives because it's not in a position of weakness where it has to yeah um but i do think that it's um it's undisputed really that game pass is a better service than ps now and it's got people more excited about games than ps now has so i think it makes sense for sony to do something whether it's a more definitive back catalog or Maybe like it's after a year, you'll see PlayStation exclusives roll onto there. So it's still very appealing to people who have bought a PS5 and yeah. don't want to spend 70 quid. Um, but yeah, that's what I think will happen with that this year, Matthew. Thoughts? Yeah, I yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Games Pass, you know, it's it's literally sitting there, you know, pretty decent, um, good value for money as it is. But you plug the right games into it and it just becomes supercharged, yeah. you know, and, and if Xbox, you know, deliver the lineup there sort of promising and, you know, they've announced lots of stuff, you know, admittedly stuff which probably feels years away. But the idea of that everything they ever show you, you know, you're going to own automatically as part of this thing is is such a good kind of angle, you know, when they did it in, it wasn't their E3 conference, I don't think it was whatever their their big kind of Xbox reveal event was, where they could basically say, like, everything you're going to see is on Game Pass, and it's just a really neat line, you know, just from a you know, value perspective. You only have to release two killer games a year, and that thing's kind of paid for itself. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like Sony's hit rate is, you know, two killer first-party games a year. You know, it's not impossible mm. that Microsoft could could do that. Yeah, for sure. Plus, obviously, hoovering up uh, Bethesda means that, you know, you get their games. Let's say, like, Ghostwire Tokyo and, um, you know, Deathloop end up being, like, good next year. Then mm. you basically have your two games right there right i mean they won't be on xbox because of their weird playstation exclusivity thing but they'll be on pc presumably um and yeah that's uh that's just the start of it hmm. all right then uh hit me with the next one matthew uh i don't think we will see metroid prime 4 yeah i think you're right about that yeah it's uh, been been a been a real long time since they even talked about that right yeah so i know mean, it started off was being made by 
uh, Bandai Namco, I believe. And then in early 2019, they basically announced, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't doing what he wanted to do or it wasn't where he wanted it. Um, so he basically ditched that and shifted the whole thing back to retro. Um, two years, I mean, that's probably enough for them to put something together, but it still just feels so far off for a game that has only ever existed as a logo. You know, there's not even like a proper teaser for it or anything. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I love those games back on GameCube, and it just it it feels like such a sort of like mad mad waste that they didn't do anything more with it, and they've let it kind of grown sort of sort of stagnant in this time. My worry is that is that it's going to just be like quite behind the curve now in terms of if they just make quite a straight sequel to Metroid Primes 1 to 3, which, while great games, I think are sort of of their time. Um, yeah, I, I sort of... I dread, I dread for this one. Um, but uh, luckily that dread will be put off for a bit because, as I said, I don't think we'll see any of it this year. Well, wasn't it reported that uh, Retro is actually working on some kind of Star Fox racing game? I remember reading about that. Some kind of, some kind of new, weird spin on Star Fox... That um, I think you're a gamer. Kind of mad stuff. I heard a couple of years ago they were doing some kind of big, mad like music project. Okay, but nothing seemed to come of it. I mean, that I mean, they've not put out masses because they they've done the the Donkey Kong Country games, but that's been it. I think yeah, two of those in the last ten years. Yeah, it's been quite a long time since that last one. So yeah, definitely time for them to do to release something. But um, yeah, who knows? Uh, so that's a, a bleak prediction, but one that I feel. <laughs> Good stuff. Appropriate for 2021, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next one, Matthew, is Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid are seen again this year, but not made by Konami. Um, there were some quite widespread reports on um, Silent Hill um, coming to PS5 as some kind of exclusive. There was enough smoke with that that I think there probably is a little bit of fire. Um, also, um, I listened to the podcast Retronauts, and they did a Silent Hill episode, and they had some pretty well-connected um, Silent Hill kind of like uh, community sort of video figures. Um, that seemed pretty certain that whatever it was wasn't Silent Hills, the um, previously um, you know cancelled um, Kojima Productions game, but that something original and for PS5 was in the works. So I think you'll see that this year. I also wonder if you'll see Konami do a thing where they kind of license out Metal Gear. Um, there's also a kind of rumour that uh, Bluepoint, their next remake after Demon's Souls, could be Metal Gear Solid, but they also tease loads of other games, so it's hard to call. Um, mm. But I think you'll see both this year in some form. I think you'll be reminded that Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill are alive in some way. Um, but well, yeah. I hope so. Mm, yeah, so a slight one, but a bit of wishful thinking there for sure, and not really based on anything other than the rumours, as previously mentioned. So what's your next one, Matthew? Again, this is another another hope. Um, again, it's super vague, but it does connect into that. I hope someone makes a proper shit-your-pants horror game. Mm. Um, because... I feel like horror games are quite bad at the moment. Mm. Um, I feel like there's a lot of um, kind of uh, sort of sort of slightly flimsy sort of psychological horrors, which have kind of basically lots of people who really like Silent Hill and haven't, uh, you know, have just been trying to kind of recreate that without necessarily understanding what made it great in the first place games which are kind of clever scary rather than actually scary mm. um and yeah i just i don't know it's a sort of a, a genre i feel is quite kind of underserved and it's more of a trend i guess i'd like to see for 2021 it's kind of a remove you know a step away from your kind of layers of fear type games 
to something which is actually like I don't know, really kind of hits the spot. That's horribly vague, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I get, I get you. I get your point actually, because um, you and I were kind of plotting an upcoming Games of the Generation episode uh, or two episodes rather, and for that I was kind of thinking, well, PT is going to have to be in that list, and I was thinking, well, when will anything ever appear like PT again, where it's so strange and kind of weird to unpack, but so fucking scary. That it kind is of combination. really scary. I, mean, still, I still think that's probably, like, the scariest game I've played. Yeah, it's pure magic. And... Uh, yeah, and it, that's that's the thing. And it, just, it feels like horror is um, so confident in other pop culture. You know, like, it's doing so well in film, particularly this last year. And, you know, it's a genre which is, is, is just growing and growing and growing but it seems completely stuck in video games yeah um i just love to i don't know i just love for it to kind of really work out work out its problems and sort of move on and i just don't want another game where the the you know the twist is like y- your guilt was the monster <laughs> which is what they all are um yeah my, my disappointment from um the evil within well that was i thought that was a very disappointing game this um this last generation just in terms of like it wasn't really scary um and didn't feel particularly original in either in its setting or ideas but um also very rare to see someone spend that much money on making a horror game now so it's uh mm. yeah it's kind of down to like um indies and smaller developers to uh to actually make them but i agree that there's um nothing's really kind of appealed to me some of the games that people say are good from the last few years didn't really appeal to me either mm. um yeah, tricky. Okay, my next one, Matthew. Uh, so, Halo Infinite's campaign is a bit disappointing despite a year-long delay, but the multiplayer will be very good. That's what I think um, the deal with Halo Infinite will be. Uh, obviously, Microsoft made the complicated decision to delay the game for a year, and um, yeah, I'm sort of like, I think people are just going to be lukewarm on single-player Halo. I just don't... Um, I, this is a, a very kind of wild prediction because I've only seen that bit of the campaign we saw, but also... Um, I would say 343 hasn't made a great Halo campaign. Certainly not one as good as the Bungie games yet. Um, mm. And I kind of, I kind of question if they truly understand why those original Halo games were like amazing. But they really get the shooting. I mean, Halo 4 and Halo 5 both, both had excellent multiplayer. Um, so I think that on that side of things, it will satisfy people. But I think people will be left wanting for like a truly great Halo um, campaign experience still. Yeah, one of the most baffling things was talking to 343. They they, they always sound like they're going to make a great Halo game. Mm. You know, like the stuff they say is exactly the stuff you want to hear. You know, the stuff they connect with is the stuff which made those earlier games great. And then it never manifests in, in the games they're making. Yeah. They're like, oh, you know, it's always that sensation of like landing on the ring and getting in the warthog and driving around it. And yet they never really do that. Like their vehicle stuff has generally been pretty bad, like the kind of freedom and the size of the environment. And obviously that's the big pitch with Infinity is, or Infinite is that it's going to have, um, you know, it is kind of trying to tap into that that kind of exploration. And, you know, it looks like it could be more open world than it ever has been. But yeah, the, the, the huge kind of question mark over that one based on their their previous games and the the fact this has had this sort of strange delay, which they definitely didn't intend for, and are now trying to turn into this very positive story of kind of like, yeah, this is just what it needed. And you're like, well, you know, this game should have already been out for two months. That was your original plan in the summer. Yeah, You know, you, you were literally doing this because you got memed to death. Um, yeah, and but it, it, yeah, and it, I think you're right about multiplayer though. Multiplayer Halo Five multiplayer is absolutely brilliant, but I don't think many people played it because I don't know Halo seems boring to them now, or they didn't have Xboxes. 
but um, it was great. Yeah, I think that the um, the the things they seem to be very interested in three four three is like story and Master Ugh. Chief's story, and none of that stuff really. No one gives a shit about that stuff. Yeah, it's very superficial in the Bungie games. People kind of forget this. They they don't want long cutscenes. They don't care about the lore, all that stuff. They just want to fight some cool shit. And it does look like they've kind of picked a setting where it does look like you say traditionally Halo. Um, but also, um, Bungie, each time they made a Halo game, managed to build new elements on top of the original Halo that added cool stuff. So, ODST, um, I think that's a slightly overrated game, but like the pace of um, exploring that world is is really nice, and the vibe of it is very different, and the flashback stuff is cool. Um, Reach also has like you know like a very successful space section, another section where you're flying from one skyscraper to another. Mm-hmm. Like the range of Halo set pieces was expanded very well by um, Bungie, but I don't think three four three have figured out how to put their own stamp on it in a way that actually makes for a fun for a fun campaign. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I hope you don't have to read like twenty novels to understand this one because the last <laughs> game was like you had to read several books, a comic book, and watch that terrible, terrible Ridley Scott TV show. Yeah. I mean, they're making another TV show as well. Like, um, why? Yeah, Master Chief. Just, I don't. Why actually saying that? Like, uh, there's absolutely no reason you couldn't do like a Mandalorian for Master Chief. Um, you know, he's as stoic and unknowable. But um, yeah, I mean, I doubt it'll be as good as that. No, we'll see. But um, yeah, that's going to be a big budget TV show. But yeah, I'm not interested in any kind of Halo franchise extensions. I just want the campaigns to be good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wish them the best, but I don't think it's going to go great. Um, yeah, what's the next one, Matthew? Um, I think Cyberpunk is going to go into space in its DLC. Oh, okay, go on. Uh, I mean, this is base pure, and this is slight spoiler territory, so I'll keep I'll keep it as vague as I can. But there are many endings to that game, and one of them ends with a character going on a sort of a legendary final mission to space and then cuts out but i feel like that is the canonical ending to the game and they're going to continue it with um i think you're going to bust into i think it's called the crystal palace which is like the giant sort of uh, space casino um and uh, there's lots of references to it and i just i feel like that's going to be that is going to i feel like that's a teaser for their dlc um, get them out of that city as well, get them into a nice self-contained environment. It'll be weird because it will probably lose a lot of its open-world charm if it does do that. Um, I say open-world charm, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cars flying uh, into space. But, you, know, yeah. you know, as an interesting location for you to use all your mad gadgets and whatnot, I think that that, that could be quite fun. Um, yeah, I think I think that's... I think, I think they're... Yeah, basically that's that's what I'm basing it on. It's not. It's not the the deepest analysis. I'll admit. Is that your only um, cyberpunk uh, related entry, Matthew? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like people have by the time they've quote unquote fixed it, most people have played it and who are interested in it and like just won't care anymore. Mm. You know, it's it's almost like one of those. I mean, sure, it'll be nice for them to fix it, especially for the people who've bought it and are holding out for patches on platforms where it's worse off but for most people played it on pc i don't think you'll give it much of a second thought it's not a very i don't think it's a very replayable game given you know it is an rpg and all the choices and whatnot in it um i just don't think it's actually got the variety in its story to make it worth playing again but that's me Mm, we'll see if its reputation improves in 2021 um yeah curious to see how how it gets booted into shape Mm. right um my next one then matthew is a very simple one. Nintendo adds N64 games to Nintendo Switch Online. Um, do you use Nintendo Switch Online much on your Switch? Uh, no. 
yeah so neither do i but um that's because I, i'm not really in the mood to play snes games most of the time um, <laughs> or certainly not nes games either the, the thought of playing a nes game now in, instead of like the many other games i have in my switch library from the last 10 years is like inconceivable i just can't <laughs> why would i play balloon fight instead of like well, that's it yeah <laughs> you know I've got eight thousand games to play what's the first that i'll go for oh yes balloon fight <laughs> yeah mm, return of the Oberdin or ice climbers it's uh, <laughs> it's a tough one to puzzle out um, but i think if they added n64 games i would be kind of into it and uh yeah, they'll probably just release the same games they always release on, like, virtual consoles. So you'll see, like, Sin and Punishment and, uh, you know, obviously Mario 64, uh, you know, Ocarina of Time, etc., etc. Mm. But um, what do you think of that one? Yeah, I mean, that feels like it makes sense. I'd much rather they, they added GameCube games. Um, you know, it feels like there's been a big... that That's the most underrepresented thing of all their games in terms of access to a lot of those games exists only on gamecube you can never go back to it mm. um i'd rather that than just because the n64 is it just they look so dated now a lot of them i find them quite hard to, not hard to enjoy and there's still there's still great games underneath it all but um like just visually i thought i find it all, all all so tired yeah i definitely think you're right about that um yeah that's not that's not too harsh if you ask me so what's your next one matthew uh I will. Oh God, yours have been so good, Sam. <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> yeah, they honestly have. Um, I will give in to temptation and buy that Playdate console because it right. looks like a Nintendo toy. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, this I'd... is their little handheld thing with the LCD screen and a couple of buttons and a crank. It's got crank controlled games. <laughs> Feels like the kind of mad nonsense Nintendo would have made like thirty years ago. Um, you know, old Gunpai Yokoi <laughs> yeah, type thing. Exactly. Um, he's like, oh, what's cheap? Cranks. Right, <laughs> cranks away. Cranks it is. Um, uh, you know, it'll probably be incredibly expensive for like what you actually get on it in terms of, you know, the games are probably going to be quite small and kind of cute little kind of tech demo y things, is, 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 is what I imagine. But I think it might, it might be like a, a really nice little kind of indulgent purchase for 2021 getting that through the post in its lovely little yellow box and then cranking out some fun (laughs) can you still pre-order them um i don't think pre-orders have opened oh right okay i wonder if it'll be anything like that um game boy like emulation device that was um uh kind of up for pre-order last year and they made such a fucking big deal about it and then like 30 seconds they were all gone and it was like complete nonsense. Um, hopefully, it won't be like that. Um, yeah, I must. Admit, I don't really. But I haven't bought anything like that. You know, there, there's always these kind of like, you know, this console will play any cartridge you insert into it, and all this, that, and the other. And I, I haven't like engaged with any of that stuff. Um, so I feel like this will be my one piece of like weird, idiosyncratic hardware that I do do buy into yeah that looks cool i um yeah i hope it helps you get through the year matthew um, <laughs> yeah okay good cr- crank my way to victory <laughs> so my uh, my next one is a nintendo releases new versions of wind waker hd and twilight princess hd for the switch in time for zelda's i think 35th anniversary this year oh, okay um yeah i think that you've seen pretty much every other game uh, sorry wii u game um release on nintendo switch in some kind of enhanced form some really odd ones now as well like um tokyo mirage sessions these two feel like some of the some of the only ones left that are like obviously 
set for a kind of re-release. So, right. Yeah, I don't know if you'll necessarily see them released this year, but you'll definitely see them announced. Um, I think that why would you make these HD versions of like you know fairly well-regarded um, uh, Nintendo um, games and then not just put them out on a on a platform that can actually uh, play HD games? Yeah. I feel like that's going to happen this year. What do you think? Yeah, I could see that maybe like a like a Zelda version of Mario 3D All Stars, except. Mm. You know they've put a bit more love into them. I mean they'll they'll probably sell them separately separately though, knowing Nintendo. Yeah, because they like to get their money's worth. What would be great is if they bundled those two up and did a HD version of Skyward Sword. Mm, yeah, it does feel like um, yeah that would does feel like the obvious kind of like equivalent to a 3D All Stars, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, but um, I'd love for Skyward Sword to exist in some modern form. Um, I think that would be that would be neat because mm. uh, I well we can talk about this later when we talk about Nintendo but I don't know if we'll see Breath of the Wild 2 this year it still you know feels like a very distant promise but yeah well it's um yeah I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of hopeful I think we'll see some cool Zelda stuff happen this year regardless uh so hit me with your next one Matthew uh I think Sony uh Sony first party games will make amazing use of the DualSense haptics but no one else will Mm, that's probably fair. Go on. Um, yeah, this is the DualSense controller for PS5. It is full of interesting vibrating parts. Uh, it has uh, special triggers which they can sort of adjust the resistance of the squeeze. So they can be quite hard to pull, quite soft to pull. Uh, they can do quite sort of directional, locational vibrations, which um, if you've played Astro's Playroom, which is like the free sort of pack-in game that comes with PS5, shows how vibrations can mimic all these different surfaces and things like that. Uh, this this launch game was a really great kind of demo reel, kind of tech demo for what the controller can do. Um, but I feel like it's going to be down to the kind of first-party studios who they have control over and can kind of enforce them to kind of connect with it who are going to do interesting things with it, you know, the kind of feeling, the kind of tension of a bowstring in Horizon, for example, or the sense of different road surfaces in Gran Turismo. Um, and I love it. I love the controller. I think it's a really fun thing. Um, but I worry that, you know, people just aren't going to bother. Or it's just such an easy feature to skip because it doesn't have a, you know, uh, multi-format relevance. So I'd say you can sort of see that in the launch games. You know, there's a couple of Sony first-party games which use it better. Even some of them aren't great. Spider-Man doesn't use it in a particularly interesting way, I don't think. Yeah. Um, But I hope that they basically enforce their teams, like, you must use this in good ways because it's cool and let's not waste it. I do wonder if this uh, kind of a, this sort of thing will be a uh, victim to the, the the same kind of phenomenon you see with all of these console specific sort of gimmicks or you know in, innovations like motion control or connect where you know you don't you just you just mostly see the first party um devs using them then it, interest otherwise there's no incentive for other people to really use them unless they're involved in some kind of marketing agreement for like promoting the game on that platform so yeah I I think I agree with you I, I can't see I just can't see this being as like widely adopted as it as it should be. Um, mm. It's good at least that they kind of made the controller work on kind of PC as well. But yeah, yeah, I think that uh, yeah, I, I, hopefully um, maybe just seeing a couple of really influential games this year though, Matthew might might get people into it. Um, yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my next one is a new Ken Levine game um, from Ghost Story Games gets revealed this year and releases on the same day. So. 
Ooh. for a long time. Um, Bioshock uh, sort of um, developer Ken Levine has been working with, I think, what was like initially a small team built of former Irrational people when that studio was closed down in 2014 um, to make some kind of narrative Legos game, I think is how he said it. So whatever they've been working on has been, you know, in the quietly in the works for a long, long time. And I feel like at the seven-year point, you're likely to see it come to fruition. Um, I think they're bankrolled by um, Take-Two, but they're not part of 2K Games. So, yeah, uh, that's one of my predictions. Don't know what the game is. Think we'll see it this year, though. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I, I'm, you know, I don't really know where where, we, where people generally stand on Ken Levine anymore, but I, you know, I really, really love the Bioshock games. I really like Bioshock Infinite as well. Um, I'm, you know... I'm into I'm into his stuff. Keen to see what he's doing. So I hope that is true. The yeah. less I have to wait for uh, his new game, the better. Yeah, people fucking hate Bioshock Infinite these days. Why? Um, it's cool. I think it's because the politics of it are definitely like um, they're definitely kind of worth examining and kind of crit- critiquing for yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's got all those pop songs in it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, and, but, and nice skies. <laughs> I agree with you as well, though. That it's um, <laughs> it is a it's a very cool setting. I think as well, if you play it with the DLC, it does tell a complete story. But I think you do have to play those DLCs in order to actually see all of it. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes, yeah, so that was my one. What's your final one, Matthew? Yeah. Again, Again, oh, sort of ending on a bit of a hope. Um, just that more publishers update their old games libraries for PS5, Xbox Series. Um, some of my favourite games of the launch have been uh, uh, on PS5 anyway. Uh, the Ghost of Tsushima and Days, uh, not Days Gone. Yes, Days Gone. Um, just playing them with their big frame rate update has been like really refreshing shows those games off in an amazing light and they mm. you know kind of you know feel slightly reborn um one of my favorite things from the last generation was when the xbox series x came out and microsoft uh kind of in their backwards compatible sort of period kind of sort of brought it upon themselves to update things into like you know xbox 360 games into 4k and things like that uh it was just a really great initiative um you know even if you you know you know you're not going to spend hours and hours replaying these things it's really nice having a reason to return to these existing games and see what you can do with them and whether that's something you know the first parties do or third parties do themselves felt like xbox had to do it for themselves you know a lot of the stuff came through them um i just it's a trend i'd really like to see come back because it always helps carry you through the quiet periods probably more so in series x just it doesn't have the obvious games this year that ps5 has and it'd be nice to have something anything to go oh yes this is what this box can do yeah i completely agree with you so yeah ghost of tsushima looks so good on ps5 it's like uh, you look at it i wouldn't I don't think anyone would look at that and not think it's like a current gen PS5 game. This, right, yeah. What would be different about it? You know what I mean? Like maybe some nice reflections on the water, but otherwise it just looks like a, you know, a modern game, but even better running at that higher frame rate. It's yeah. beautiful. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um yeah, I damn, I really hope they do, but it's like you say it's very complicated to know if Sony's just going to try and like do a load of remasters that's, for some of these games. Yeah, that's but and charge you for it. But why do it for some and not for others? Yeah, it seems that confusing. Yeah, makes no sense. Yeah. All right, so my last one, Matthew. 21, end it on a big one. Yep. Uh, GTA 6 gets revealed. Um, it's set in the same city across two different time frames, but doesn't release until 2023. Now, that is all wishful thinking. There's no facts there. <laughs> that, that, that isn't based on secret memos. Oh, no, definitely not, no. Um, yeah, that was... Um, I think that 
yeah, there's no way GTA 6 will release this year. They're uh, plugging away at GTA Online still. That's launching on next-gen consoles. Um, and I think everyone kind of groaned when that was revealed uh, last year. And I sort of agreed with them because I was like, well... I get why Microsoft wants to, sorry, why Rockstar wants to put, um, you know, this massive moneymaker onto uh, next-gen consoles because people like having, people like playing GTA Online. It's a massive game. Mm. But um, I don't know. I think that it would be cool to see what the future of GTA looks like. It's, uh, it's, it, it would be, it'll be eight years since they released um, GTA Five originally. It sort of feels like, I don't know, just a glimpse of the future might be a nice thing to do in um, in the 20, uh, 2021. But we'll see, won't we? It'll yes, be, uh, yes, yeah. uh, it would be good. I'm just intrigued what they do with, you know, if if they're ever, you know, going to replace GTA Online with GTA Online Two or whatever it would be. I mean, just why why mess with the money machine? But yeah, but it's um it's definitely got some like way to go in terms of user experience GTA Online. So I'm yeah. hoping that's um that's the the thing we see improve this year for GTA Online anyway. Mm. But those are my predictions, Matthew. They're, they're pretty good. I'd you know I'd be happy if only a handful of those came true. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, the one where I get the playdate um, and a load of Ace Attorney. Yeah, I think I will buy a playdate now too because what else am I going to do this year? I can't go on holiday, so uh, yeah, yeah, I will, I, will, I too will turn the crank. Yeah, um, if you don't spend some of that money, it will fill up your bank account and then it will just stop flowing into the streets. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Uh, so, Matthew, let's take a brief break there and then we'll come back and uh, run through what the year looks like for the uh, big, big manufacturers in uh, 2021. Let's do it. Matthew. Yes. What is Sony's 2021 going to look like? Uh, better than Microsoft's. <laughs> yeah, isn't that always the way? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's the answer. Um, from a first-party perspective, they've got uh, a lot of juicy franchises. They've also got some quite fun exclusives. I think I'm probably more interested in their sort of ex- third-party exclusives than I am their first-party games, mm. um, which are specifically uh, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, the two games from Bethesda, uh, which is kind of strange now that Microsoft own them, um, but apparently they are going to honour those, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Deathloop being the new arcane kind of looping Groundhog Day assassin game, and Ghostwire Tokyo being uh, Tango Games Works, which is uh, Shinji Mikami's um, sort of horror outfit. But this looks like a bit more of a uh, kind of a, a sort of spooky adventure rather than an out-and-out survival horror. Um, so I'm quite excited for those. What are you excited for? So, yeah, I mean, Sony um, does have uh, quite a lot of exclusive games coming up next year. So expected are Returnal, that shooter from Housemarque, is that yeah. how you say them? Um, Housemarque? Housemarque, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. I should look that up. But uh, nonetheless, it kind of looks a bit like um, sort of a third-person Ikaruga or something. Like There's yeah. a lot of, like that's kind of their background is um you know sort of these quite frantic shoot 'em ups but you're playing as this um i think gwendolyn christie uh voiced and acted character uh in this kind of like uh roguelike looping sort of um sci-fi shooter and it certainly looks nice and i think it has some cool haptic shit if that's your thing matthew oh i love it um so that is one of their first exclusives coming out next year i think and i don't think it has a date yet and there's also 
Horizon Forbidden West and the next Gran Turismo game. Uh, neither of those, I haven't really played the original Horizon properly still to get too excited about that second one. Um, Gran Turismo has its fans. I don't really like cars, so unless they're <laughs> driven by Nintendo characters. Um, <laughs> Which I don't uh, think they will be. <laughs> not in this case, no. Um, but I, I accept that to a lot of people, seeing those cars looking really nice will be a big um, selling point for PlayStation. And how, so, yeah. How do you feel about Ratchet and Clank? I was going to ask you about that because. <laughs> It does, surely on paper, that looks like a pretty cool game, the way that it loads in all of these different worlds and you frantically yeah. shift between them. But Matthew, your long-running grudge against, you know, pl- uh, 3D platforming icons from PlayStation history, icons in inverted commas there. I, they're, they're, they're less platforming heroes than action heroes. I can't say their games speak to me massively. Like, I've tried getting into them in the past, but I've never finished a Ratchet and Clank because I find them, oh, just they're very old games. It's like very old games design. You know, it's like oh, it's a gun that fires penguins, and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's just a gun, isn't it? It's not like just that you're you're jazzing it up and throwing in these extra gubbins. Like I much preferred it when they did uh, Sunset Overdrive and kind of added in the kind of uh, sort of parkour kind of chaining elements. Uh, to me, Ratchet and Clank just feels like a like a sort of a less uh, less fully featured less interesting version of that you know oh god it's basically a game made for game for game magazine box outs isn't it of like <laughs> like here's the 10 wackiest weapons you know oh, it's a weapon it makes them dance and you're like yeah and then what oh, you shoot them with the penguin gun and you're like great <laughs> and you do that for 15 hours game end of game 90 percent. surely matthew that over the years that you've been working in print media you'll appreciate someone making something that is an easy box out idea like surely <laughs> I, I, you I, I, appreciate I, I, having I, I, a I, list I, of shit that i you can, can just, understand yeah. i can understand that that's why people give it 90 is because they're just <laughs> like oh thank christ this game is so good for page furniture um <laughs> but like for the common gamer out there i just don't know what the appeal is yeah, well, it's just a very meat and potatoes 3D platformer with shooter shooter elements, basically. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I'm not massively into them, really. And you know, you look at something like Spider Man, or like you say, Sunset Overdrive, a really cool game, um, which I'm hoping kind of gets a bit of a that would be a nice uh, candidate for a bit of an upgrade on um, Xbox yeah, Series X. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not massively into it, but I'm definitely curious about the kind of whole using the SSD to make the kind of game you could only make with this sort of. Um, hardware it's weird to see that ratchet and clank is, is the game that's doing that that is strange um but yeah yeah and it, yeah, and it will be incredibly shiny won't it and yeah you know i'll probably feel kind of obliged to buy it because i'm probably not going to buy gran turismo horizon so. <laughs> all right then the microsoft then matthew um so there's been some kind of rumor this year that uh already that ubisoft plus which is like the ubisoft version of ea play i think it's just on pc at the moment um could be rolled into the xbox game pass ultimate um subscription um but generally how important do you think game pass is going to be next year for microsoft oh yeah i mean hugely it seems to be the kind of the 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 thing which drives all their decisions like all these acquisitions it isn't necessarily i mean that they're all fine studios in their own right but it feels like Xbox is just trying to get games out and onto Game Pass. You know, they're they're trying to do a Netflix thing. Um, but obviously, games they take a long time to get made and to, to sort of bring them together. Um, so it feels like they're literally just throwing money at the problem by buying as many studios as possible. Because you know, there, there was always this sort of rough figure of like they were trying to get like one first party game a month. 
you sort of heard sort of thrown around mm. um it doesn't f- currently like we're not gonna you know it feels like we're in it there's not a lot for the next few months oh, that's obvious coming from them um so you know and in those months that shows the sort of weakness of game pass in that it does need sexy things constantly thrown in mm. um but you know the flip side as i said earlier if you do throw the good games in it suddenly becomes like the most exciting thing around yeah. um so yeah should they deliver on well when they deliver halo infinite um what other first party things are we expecting this year well i've got down here like hellblade 2 um or send you a sacrifice hellblade 2 i think it's called or something like that um scorn which is like a horror game i think and uh oh, so that's that thing that looks like the alien stuff right? yeah basically and then um, probably that Forza game that they reveal, surely Forza is this year. I think that's probably a dead cert. And uh, possibly Rare's Everwild, which is um, still fairly unknown what that is, but some kind of like four-player, explore-the-wild kind of RPG thing. Um, yeah. Looks a bit like Sea of Thieves with no boats. That's what I think. When I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be up for that. I'm, uh, yeah, Rare, Rare are like back, back in business as, as far as I'm concerned with Sea of Thieves and I'm, I'm in, into their sort of vibe. Mm. So I'm kind of looking forward to their next few things. Um, I'd love it if there was actually a Forza Horizon this year and not a Forza Motorsports, mm. um, which seems unlikely given that they've announced Motorsport. Or they've announced, announced, I don't know if that, that trailer is quite hard to unpick because I don't know if it's like a, a sort of an announcement of intent that it's coming. You know. I th- yeah, I think that's the announcement that like the next mainline Forza is next. That's kind yeah, of yeah, okay. yeah. It'd um, be great if they're like surprise. We've secretly got you know Forza Horizon Five, and it's set in you know Japan. Everyone keeps saying, don't they? Or or that's like a sort of fan favorite. That seems to be the case for every games franchise. <laughs> Whenever they're like, "Where's it going next?" They're like, "Japan." And you're like, "Yeah, well, it probably won't." But yeah, um, unless it's Yakuza, it probably won't. Um, yeah, <laughs> I um. Yeah, I think that this really um the the kind of like the fact that we don't really know what Microsoft's next year looks like shows just how far behind they are on sorting out kind of exclusives and obviously they have made these big acquisitions but they really do take years to pay off. Um I will say on the plus side Matthew with no Forza Horizon this year is whichever Forza Horizon they release next year will probably be fucking boss because of the extra time they've got to make it. Yeah, um, I mean yeah, oh god, I can't wait. Forza, Forza Horizon Four is one of my favourites of the last gen. So, um, yeah, that is a that's a powerful studio. Mm. Mm. So, what about Nintendo next year, Matthew? Uh, well, the big thing here hinges on whether we get this alleged Switch upgrade. Yeah, what do you uh, make of that? I the, the I don't know. The, the whole thing is like the, this sort of Switch Pro, which is going to be some kind of four K Switch, mm. and I just don't know if like if 4k is necessary a thing that they need to deliver on uh like they've they've kind of made some of their best looking games of the generation on what is like relatively old hardware and you know some of the best games looking games of of they've ever made and some best looking games of any generation you know know, super mario odyssey is you know there's there's not much i'd do to improve it really um, how it looks. I mean, I'd just like a Switch that could play like Breath of the Wild with like no stuttering. Mm. Um, I'd like a Switch which could play the new Hyrule Warriors without, I mean, that is game is like a flip book in places. You know, a, a, a Switch with a bit more juice. I don't see them doing something where they like divide their audience substantially. Yeah. Um, because just there's so many Switches in play and, you know, they're, they just don't need, to, they just don't need to do that. Um, but yeah, just something a bit more, 
a bit more stable it takes the edge off certain things should you want it but you know they're never going to be of of a similar kind of power to what's going on on the other consoles so you know i don't feel i need to go into like some kind of graphics arms race yeah my personal feeling on this is that the 4k switch they're talking about is basically whatever the next gen version of the switch will be and i think it'll be far off but i think that I, th- I can see that the next Nintendo console just being like a better version of the Switch, similar to how, you know, the 3DS obviously had the 3D function, but was largely the, the DS again um, and was still so successful. So, yeah, that's what I think people are talking about here. We do, we are approaching four years since the release of the Switch. Like, it's, you know, this is firmly the second half of its life cycle you'd expect, but it was also setting massive numbers as it stands. So, like, mm. yeah, what is the burden on them to rush it out? I I think that... You will see a more powerful switch down the line, but I think that is the next gen console that Nintendo is making, and I mm. think I think it's a while away. Um, what about on the game side, Matthew? So we don't know much about what they got coming up next year, as we discussed. Like Zelda anniversary content is probably expected. Um, there's no more Heroes Three though, which is exciting, right? Yeah, I I, I hope so. I mean, I love No More Heroes One, less so No More Heroes Two. Um, like it almost felt like it kind of. I don't know. There's a sort of point where Suda Fifty One kind of not vanishes up his own backside, but he he kind of uh, I don't know became too attuned to his own kind of zany sort of image, and I think his his work wasn't quite as interesting or good afterwards. And I feel like No More Heroes was like the last of his games, which I was like outright in love with. Mm. No More Heroes One, that is. And then there's been a bit of a sort of decline or an uneven and an an an, an and unevenness since then. I don't know if that's just because he's you know, they're a bigger outfit and he's sort of stepped away from it a bit. You know, he's not necessarily there playing the same exact role that he had um, in those earlier games. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'll definitely play it. Um, I hope it will be great. Um, but I, I, I just find that you can, you just, you just can't tell with these games until you kind of get your hands on them. Yeah, I agree. There's kind of like a roughness and an oddness to that first no more heroes it's so like it's unpolished in so many ways particularly the open world um and the kind of pace of it it's just quite odd but it's there's something really just fun about living in that world mm. and then the second one's like oh no we'll sand off all the kind of like rough edges that you actually quite liked in the first one yeah um, so it's just combat basically yeah. and uh yeah i agree with you i'm hoping that the third one's got a bit more of that first one's kind of spirit but uh yeah. Anything else you're expecting this year? Uh, you've kind of mentioned Breath of the Wild too briefly. Like, probably, you know, it's a fifty-fifty on that one, isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I think we're in for that. There, there will be a big Nintendo payday at some point in the next two years, yeah. where we get like the next 3D Zelda and the next 3D Mario, and it'll be like the Golden Age of Switch all over again. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this before. You know, like there, there will be another Mario Kart and da 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 and and. That's stuff I'm kind of excited for, but right now I've kind of I've, there's not a lot of stuff directly. I'm I'm super pumped for. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, so Matthew, PC, um, you and I both have you know professionally worked in covering PC gaming for quite a long time. Yeah, looking like quite a good year. You probably have Baldur's Gate three getting substantial upgrade uh, updates this year you're a big fan of that game right yes yeah i think i mean they've obviously never pinned down like the date they're working towards for the final release i mean uh divinity original sin 2 is in early access right here so you'd think it would be similar for this sort of a similar scale their early access yeah i've absolutely loved this so far i've you know i've had i've had really good fun with it 
um you know I've, I've, it's one of the the very few early access things i have kind of engaged with you know i played a lot of it at launch and i come back after the patches and see what they've done and i'm leaving feedback and all that jazz um yeah i'm i'm yeah intrigued to see how this one grows out i mean if if you know i love the original sin 2 this feels like that in a different setting with a slightly different combat system but i'm 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 you know, enjoying how they've changed it. I'm enjoying the story. I think I like the characters a bit more than I did the original Sin 2's characters, um, and they haven't announced the whole kind of spread of them yet. So, yeah, I think that it would have to go, like, pre- pretty um, pretty wrong for this to kind of derail massively before it comes out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to see how it turns out. I was kind of surprised to look at uh, Baldur's Gate 3 and realise that, oh, this is the kind of, like, dragon age scale rpg that i'm i've probably been waiting for it's probably right here and i didn't really notice until i was looking at screenshots yeah, it's, of it it's yeah it's it's definitely like it feels like their bid to kind of step up as a studio in terms of like production values in that it has like a lot more of that bioware feel in the cinematics and the fact that everything's voiced and you see the characters in a kind of cinematic view when they talk, which is like a big step away from the kind of more kind of classic RPG kind of text box stuff they were doing before. Um, yeah, I, it, it's still quite um, packed with quite sort of idiosyncratic stuff, which I think isn't quite, you know, they haven't like d- sort of dumbed it down or smoothed it out. I don't think it's necessarily going to have the obvious accessibility of like a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect, um, but I think it will probably have the kind of quality and look of one yeah yeah that's cool i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it turns out i'm mm. sort of debating in my head whether i should actually just run through boulders gate one and two first um probably yeah not the i time, mean but, you know. the connections are i i like at least in early access there aren't a lot like mechanically it's so different um and those games are old as hell now i replayed yeah. them last year and i enjoyed them but they are like they're 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 a struggle in places yeah well, there's, there's not loads else on the list I've got here, Matthew, that I'm that interested in talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> there's like, you know, we've got like Gotham Knights here and um, Diablo 4, maybe, and uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, which I feel like I only ever read about when a member of the team has quit or, yeah, or has left the studio. Like, like, after all the talk of like when they brought it back and they announced it, and it was kind of like, we're going to get it right, we're going to do it right this time, like, we're not going to have the problems we had last time. And then it seems to be like one of those sort of troubled developments, yeah. you know, of, of any other kind of mainstream game. I I really hope this is good. Um, yeah, that team's undergone some quite big changes um, based on the headlines, at least. So yeah, well, we shall see. So that's our summary of 2021, Matthew. Um, in yeah, in summary, a year of contrast. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I yeah, I'm not sure what to expect from this year. Like you say, I'm not sure how many of these games might just slip as a result of the weird kind of world situation we're living in right now. I feel like we have another year of like, you know, we'll watch the live streams from publishers, and th- there'll be no real events. I can't see gaming events coming back this year in any way. No. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, who knows? Maybe it'll change in some other ways. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, it'll probably end up being solid. But like, I reckon the I reckon twenty twenty two is when you'll start seeing that kind of solidifying of these are the big next gen games. And yeah. like, yeah, that's that tends to be what happens. A couple years in, isn't it? So uh, yes. Um, so Matthew, uh, we do have quite a lot of correspondence on the old Twitter feed. There's not many that I um I feel like we need to read out on here. But I'm definitely you know I like hearing from um uh, listeners when they tell us what they think of the podcast. And so we had like one kind of extended question on Twitter that I thought we'd go through, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Um, so this is from Staggerbreast on Twitter. Uh, I got their permission to um, discuss it on the podcast, just to make sure. 
Now on to and enjoying episode 5. While it's obviously not what you wanted to focus on, I'm glad you covered the ethical aspects of Cyberpunk. Got to ask, will you be doing the same with other companies when it's appropriate? Episode 1 had a lot of Ubisoft with no mention of recent allegations, for example. I realise that may not be what some listeners want to hear about, and I get that. If it was Nintendo, I'd hate it too. It just felt like an important aspect of Ubi at the moment that wasn't touched upon. I think that's a fair critique. We did talk about Ubisoft a bit, and one of the big stories around Ubisoft in 2020 was... You know, a lot of, you know, senior personnel being like, you know, removed from the company because of some like seemingly deep, you know, seated kind of uh, cultural issues. Mm. So do you think that's a fair comment, Matthew? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of a tr- it's a tricky one because it's such a vast topic, isn't it? And it feels like you need to kind of really delve into it to do it justice. And it, it feels like just saying, you know, like a disclaimer, by the way, there's also this stuff to take into consideration so you may not want to deal with it, which I feel like is kind of what a lot of people have settled on is how they deal with this. Yeah. You know, I've seen in reviews and things, people doing box outs where they're like, oh, and by the way, you know, before you make your purchasing decision, you should appreciate that there are also these stories um, so that it isn't like part of them, the main discussion, but it is there as a as a kind of a, a like a f- flagging these issues up when they come to light which I sort of feel is is probably like on balance, like a, a, a reasonable way of doing it. Yeah, it's tough though because you know th- this is still just the information we know about. Like, um, you know, you kind of hear rumblings fairly regularly about you know this person or this studio, and like they're not always your stories to tell, even if you know the stories yourself. Um, a couple of you know, there's a couple from like recent years that I kind of knew about quite a long time before you know, they became public. But they're, if they're not your stories to tell, they're not your stories to tell. Um, so you're kind of like relying on, you know, them being reported or, or, wide, or, or widespread. And so it's it's quite a complicated thing to factor in. Um, mm. In this case, I think that we did talk about a lot about Ubisoft without mentioning it. It definitely is part of the narrative of the year. Um, mm. So yeah, that was, that. I think, yeah, like you say, like some kind of disclaimer, or, I think like we'll just do our best to um, to discuss it when it's relevant and when we know that it's a thing that has, you know, yeah, hang it, over the game. Yeah, it's just tricky sometimes with the disclaimer because you're like, there's all this terrible stuff, but man, do I love collecting fruit in this game. <laughs> and it can just seem like you're being flippant when that isn't the case. You know, it's, it's more of a, this is happening. You know, here are these better informed people who have explained it. You can read them here, and da 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 da. Yeah, and um, you know, and take that into into kind of consideration. Another key thing is, I'm I'm keen not for the podcast to be like what you read on Twitter, but as a podcast, because that's why I think in the cyberpunk episode I wanted to focus a lot more on, well, what is this game actually like? Because that's not really what people are discussing on Twitter about the game still. Yeah. And so, but but it's something that I, w- I was kind of interested in. I, I just wanted to ask you loads of searching questions about, you've played it for hours, tell me about it. So, mm. yeah, I thought we did it well because we did cover it there, as mentioned. But, like, yeah, it wasn't just what the podcast was about. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's probably how we'll handle it in future. I hope that answers your question um, in a way that's, uh, you know, uh, comprehensive. And, and, yeah, hopefully that helps. Um, <laughs> so, Matthew, our next episode... Games magazine covers from hell. Oh my god, there are so many. <laughs> yes, exactly. And in no way is that title exaggerating the uh, state of the situation that we're uh, discussing. It's going to be a fun one, though. Kind of a sequel episode to our review scores we regret. Yeah. Um, I think people will really get a kick out of it. So uh, we'll be back next Friday with a new episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're Backpage Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at backpagegames at gmail.com. 
And uh, Matthew, you can be followed at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And I'm Samuel W. Roberts. If you want to follow me for whatever it is, my Twitter feed is. Um, and yeah, new episodes every Friday. If you want to review us on iTunes, that'd be much appreciated. We've had some reviews already. It's not iTunes. I keep forgetting it's Apple Podcasts. I'm terrible at this. And uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>